in a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting and Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. It's April 1st, 2012, and you're listening to episode 34 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And we're coming to you from inside a surprise Bollywood movie. We're lost. We don't know how we got here. All of a sudden, there was just all this singing and dancing. But more on that later. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was all just a mass of colors and swirls and silk and... Maybe it was an April Fool's Day prank, a little early. It would be a little expensive. Yeah. To do that. Anyways. Yeah. Okay, so anyways. Adventures in Knitting, first. First of all. You have a haul. I have a little haul. Blue Moon Fiber Arts yarn arrived. Yay. Yay. Something good that has happened in the last two weeks of suck. Yes. This is the fruit of the gift certificate that I got from my mother for Christmas. Mm-hmm. The one that she entered the right information into the wrong field when buying the gift certificate, but we won't go into that again. And as stated before, my stash is about the size of a puddle, so I don't mind buying stuff for my stash. And to hell with with swords and garters. This one, so we're all looking at Brewash Merino Lightweight. This one's that rock. This one is Amelie, and it's red and rusty brown with a little hint of green in it. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the green on the screen, but it still works. Yeah, a little bit of black. Too, and a little like. bit of black. These are going to be my smog socks. Ooh. Because That's they've got sick. that sort of feeling of Wait. an aged red dragon. Mm-hmm. Sooty and dirty and just well set in his ways type of thing. Yes. So those are going to be my smog socks. And with a little bit of, it's not really a very contrasty variegate, but I can see with the different colors in it, it'll look nice with the little, I think there were slip stitches. Yeah. The bars that go across that pattern. That'll look really cool. I got Storm Large, and I got it just because in a hank, it looks gorgeous to me. It looks like a supernova. It's everything from yellow cascades into orange and reds. And then from the reds into browns and then greens and it cycles round to deep bluey purple. Blue purple or ashy gray purple and then cycles back up to red again and into the oranges and the yellows. And it looks amazing. I have no idea what I'm going to make with it, but the colors, I'm just a sucker for colors. Mm -hmm. The colors are gorgeous. I love this. I might just... I kind of want to scan to this now. It is so pretty. Okay. Anyway. And the last one is called Frosty. Oh, this one was on my list. And this, as you can imagine, has everything that you might associate with winter colors. Mm-hmm. So it goes from a white into sort of a neutral blue-gray. It's got a little dash of fawn or tan in there. And then it goes into muted blues and then a richer midnight blue. Wraps around to swirls of lighter and mid-blues and then back into the lighter colors of white. Yeah. And I'm really happy looking at it. I have no idea what I'm going to make with it, but, well, socks, obviously. Yeah. But... I've got a few patterns for, like, highly variegated socks that use, like, slip stitches or things like that to break up colors. I guess you're happy with your pretty. I'm happy with my, my little haul. I am very happy. I just have to... I need to finish my Watsons and my Cadence before I cast on anything <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> else in the way of yes. socks. And speaking of not casting on anything else, I cast on something else okay. this week. Yes, but this is for somebody else. Yes, this is for somebody, and as a matter of fact, it's almost done. And it is the sort of thing that has something of a time limit. Yeah, and this is very much zen knitting. I'm doing a baby mm-hmm. blanket for a lady that I know. Remember we were talking about the ladybugs being pink and yep. black? And I got sent a picture of what the nursery bedding is going to look like. And thankfully this matched because I'd already bought it and started <laughs> it. I went to my local yarn store and wanted to try out a new yarn that I haven't used before. This is 100% cotton. It is Debbie Bliss Eco Aram Fair Trade Collection. And of course it's... Color number, 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 whatever, whatever. I 60, I think it's... Well, well that's the lot 60. Yeah, color's like 32625. I was looking at it thinking that reminds me of a, like a raspberry sundae. Yeah, I was about to say it's raspberry color. Basically. Yeah, and I was going back into the car thinking, did I make the right decision? Was this the right yarn to get? Very first song on the radio, on the drive home. Yes. 
is by Prince. Raspberry Beret? Yes. And I'm like, that's it. Obviously, the yarn was meant to happen. This baby blanket is called Pine Forest Baby Blanket by Ingrid Artun Bow. It's really just taking the pattern from one of Elizabeth Zimmerman's patterns, Baby Sweater on Two Needles. I've knit that a couple of times before. Mm -hmm. It's just taking the pattern that goes into the baby sweater and putting it into a blanket. Yeah, so basically taking the stitch pattern. Right, and just putting a garter border on it. It's so easy... It's yes. been my zen knitting in front of the TV. Yeah, it's basically gull lace, which yeah. is a sort of a little lacy arrow. And I'm just going to go until I run out of yarn. Nice. I'm kind of happy with it, and I'm able to knit. Like They came in little 50-gram balls, so I'm able to pretty much knit a ball a day. Nice. Yep, I'm happy with it. Simple garter stitch border at the edges. Yep, and it'll be something, you know, if I have time and if I have the motivation, yes, I'll make a little Coco Chanel baby something or other for a sweater, but I think this will be much more practical and useful. Yeah. And using your knitter's pride dreams. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. How do you like them? I like them. I'm happy with them. I've only found that once or twice my needle has... One of my needles has started coming out like okay. that. Have you tightened them up with the little key that comes in when you No, do? I get lazy. Okay, yeah, that's why it's untied that you need to use it. Okay. Because it's basically the same as the, the nitpicks. And yeah, sometimes I get lazy and I don't use the little key. And then I regret it because I'm working with like lace weight and it falls down. And it longer. falls off? Yeah. Okay, so that's what I've been working on. And when I finish this... I completely, completely intend to finish Watson <laughs> and then Cadence. I intend to do that before I do anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me and my little self-denial process will yes. go elsewhere. Okay, so as for my stuff, so this week, well, Monday I went to Romney Wool's and let us knit in Toronto with a friend of mine from work, Holly, who also comes to our knitting group when she can, because she was looking for yarn for a project. She is doing this amazing, amazingly retro Mary Maxim curling sweater for her husband. Oh, I think I remember this in the... Yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so 60s looking. It's hilarious. He wants it. Like, he saw well, it and he wants it. It's a good thing that it. he wants it. So, yes. I wouldn't suggest making an extremely retro item for your husband without him knowing what it looks like. But, so she wanted to get yarn for it. And so we went to Romney because, of course, they have a bunch of different kinds of yarn. And we could sort of see what they have and see right. what she wanted to get and that sort of thing. Bigger cho bigger choice. Because Romney, Romney Wool's on Queen Street West in Toronto is the biggest yarn store in Toronto, at least that I've been in. Biggest yarn, definitely biggest yarn store in the sort of downtown area, and they have tons of stuff. That place is packed with yarn, like floor to ceiling. It is kind of crazy. <laughs> but yeah, so we went there, and I wasn't planning on getting much. Of course, now that I'm not going to the Knitter's Frolic, my stash down requirements have changed a little bit. You've gotten a little looser. Yes, because I don't have that event that I was planning to go to and therefore, you know, spend some money at. So, I mean, they've, they've loosened up a little bit. I'm still not going to go crazy. But I was at least hoping that I'd find the yarn for the Ravenclaw scarf that I want to do there. They didn't have the stuff that I wanted in the right weight, though. So I have other sources. Um, but luckily, one of the things they did have was Chowgu Lace and Knitter's Pride needles. Especially the, the Knitter's Pride Nova needles, which are the metal ones. Because mm -hmm. I prefer the metal. So luckily, they had either of those. So I was able to grab a couple sets of the Knitter's Pride Nova needles, including in the two millimeters that I had snapped in my nitpicks Harmony in the day needles, in that the week or two before. Day of, yes. day of Ultimate Suck. Yes. So I have been able to do a little more work on the plain stockinette socks with the dyed by design yarn that my mom got for me in... Stripey striping done! Yes. That my, my mom got for me in York in the UK. So they're actually getting a fair decent way up the leg. I'm going to have to start, you know, measuring more often to see how long it is and see how far I want these to go. But yay, I have needles for that again. And I was wondering if there was going to be a slight change or a noticeable change in gauge because usually with the wooden needles, because they're so bendy, I don't pull quite as tight. Mm-hmm. But I can't really see a noticeable change in the gauge. So, whatevs. I figured it would all come out in the wash anyway. But so I was doing those. And then I believe last week I had started a pair of socks with the yarn that I dyed. Oh, this is the Tilt-A-Whirl and Cotton Candy or something like that? Yeah, Cotton Candy and Tilt-A-Whirls Do Not Mix is the colorway name yeah. that I'm using so far. 
And it's actually, to describe it a little more too, I forgot to mention last week, I believe this is some Louette Gems fingering that I dyed. Because I think it was white. I got it to sort of experiment with dyeing. Mm-hmm. I got a couple skeins of white, and so it has the white stripes from the, the Louette Gems, and then I overdyed it with, like, turquoise and pink. And I'm doing the Crystalline Socks, which are a pattern that uses slip stitches. Basically what you do on a row is you'll, like, knit one, and then you'll slip five with the yarn in front. Knit one, slip five yarn in front. And that makes these little strands right, that run right. in front of the work. And then you knit plain for a row. And then on the row after that, you knit a few, and then in the middle of that strand, you sort of put the needle underneath the strand and through the next stitch and knit them both. They like pull the, the stitch through both of them. And that sort of pulls them up into these little... It looks like a smocking. Yeah, basically it does. It's basically offset so that, yeah, you have... It makes little Vs in different places. In alternate sort of rows. Offset, yeah, alternate rows. So, like you said, it makes a little sort of smocking thing. Kind of like I've made the Leyburn socks before, uh, okay. which is basically sort of the same thing. Except those do the smocking thing in the round, the entire way around. This one has cables on the side. I'm doing the cables slightly differently. It was supposed to be... I think it was supposed to be... You were supposed to cross them at the fourth row and at the twelfth row. Okay. So it'd be four, eight, four, eight. I was just like, eh, I'll just do it every eight rows. And I'm doing my own heel. And I think the original pattern you're actually supposed to do from the top down and, 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 and. I was just like, whatevs. <laughs> so you did this pattern, but you did it your way. Yeah, basically. I basically just took like the idea for the stitch cued, pattern. Somebody cued and the, the Sinatra cables. music. Yeah, I basically just took the stitch pattern and the cables, but it was that pattern that gave me the idea to do it. And I just sort of tweaked it in different ways. Yeah, well, there you so. go. And I kind of like the way it's striping. I kind of, if I remember correctly when I dyed this, I kind of screwed up and one of the colors, if I remember correctly, like bled all the way across some of the white that I wanted. I was supposed to have two patches of white in okay. every round and so I turned out with one, but then I've got this really wide sort of stripes of the pink and turquoise and purple where they met. And then I've got thinner stripes of white that go around. But the nice thing about the strands is that, of course, because you're going around and slipping some of the stitches and right. leaving the strands. It would show up probably in other yarns even more where, you know, it's the colors shift even faster. But that way, when you pull up the strands, they go across different colors and it breaks up the, the stripiness or the breaks up the, the pooling or whatever of the colors. And this one, I'm actually, I've only got one started and I'm already pretty much at the heel. I have to start the other one. I have the ball split up into two separate balls. So, and I actually figured out when I went to do my next project... <laughs> I figured out that I'd actually started that sock with the uh, wrong size, <laughs> or at least the size that I had not intended to use. So I swapped them out because I mean I was doing I wanted to do it on two point two five and I was doing it on two point five millimeter needles, so it's not gonna make that big a deal. And then my part of the order was some socks that rock lightweight in the sock hopping colorway, bright pink Batman. Yes, this one's really cool. It's got like a darker, slightly greenish, and darker blue and darker purple and bright pink yeah like neon pink this is like 80s pink yes so you get these you know sort of mellowed you know darker colors and then little flashes of pink this reminds me of like a dark disco hall with glow in the dark makeup or glow in the black dark. light yeah black light <laughs> stuff and i just started it yesterday and i've got the toe and i've got a couple inches done because that was karen's movie knitting <laughs> yes we went to the movies last night yes we we did it was a, an executive expense and we went to the movies yep so i intentionally wound this because i wanted movie knitting and I'm thinking I'm with the number of movies I'm going to be seeing in the next couple months. I think I'm going to leave this as only movie knitting. I mean, at some point I'm going to have to, you know, do the heel outside of the movies. Yeah. Well, didn't you manage to turn a heel inside the movies once? I managed to finish. Okay. Turning the heels, like the last couple. Fair enough. Stitches. Fair enough. And that was like an hourglass heel, or a you know a heel where basically I was just picking up, knitting through the little wrap and turns. Okay stitches so it wasn't that hard they were already in little clusters next okay. to each other but yeah so i'll probably leave these as just like i will only knit this at the movies because so they're movie socks yeah because like i said we're gonna be seeing lots of movies but i i picked this one i was debating between this one and the Sockgate dhd mm -hmm. socks that rock that i have at home and i decided to go with this one even though the other one has been in my stash longer because this one has those bright colors in it which certainly fit the movie that we went to oh my god so moving into Geek Squee, and I should say before we start, spoilers! Oh yeah, 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 spoilers. Yep. 
So we'll list the timestamp and everything where you can come back in. So first, we'll give you our little our our impressions, and we'll be kind of vague so that okay we don't actually spoil. But then we will, we will double we will extra mention extra that we are highlight. going to say that when we get to the spoilery bit, we will tell you. Well, the movie we went to see was Mirror Mirror, the Snow White version that has Julia Roberts as the evil queen. Yes. And what did you think? And it was, ex- like I said, it was exactly what I thought it would be. <laughs> okay, so it was pretty much what we surmised to begin with. It's not quite serious, a little bit of slapstick comedy, outrageous costumes. Like, we stayed behind to, to read the costuming department in the credits. Yeah, so we can see how big the costuming department was. And it went on and on. Yeah, especially and when on. they're like, seamstresses, dressers. <laughs> assistant dressers, makeup artists, assistant makeup, makeup artists, artist. wig people, and, and, and more wig people. And, yeah. Like, the credits... For the costuming department outweighed uh, probably three other departments together. Yeah. It is probably targeted for younger audiences than ourselves. Yeah. I was looking at a couple things today and a couple reviews and some of the comments. It seemed like a lot of the comments where people were saying, I thought it was pretty good. Or, you know, they seem to give it more like a four out of five sort of thing. Was a lot of people who had gone with kids. Yeah. And were looking at this as a family movie. Yeah. It's more geared as a family movie. I think I yeah. saw a couple of parents there with teen daughter last night. Yeah. And yeah, for, for that sort of genre and for that purpose, it's good because it shows of a girl coming of age and learning to stand up and be yeah. the heroine instead of the damsel and... That's good. Yeah. That's good for them. For a strictly adult audience, or if you're, you know, strictly an adult, personally, I found it, it was fine, and it was good. It was kind of uneven, though. You're not really sure. Yeah, it's They're, sort of like, you know, I'm kind of thinking about it like, well, good. and I think part of that is because, like I said, it's uneven. And that unevenness is why I'm like, good? <laughs> Question mark? Because there were some bits that were like, yes, this is really good. Some bits were like... Oh, honey, no. (laughs) I think it was aiming for the Princess Bride sort of genre, where it's a little, it's become so camp that it's funny in certain parts. Yeah. But it didn't entirely make it there. Yeah, I'm thinking, I, I got the, I got the feeling it wasn't entirely sure what it wanted to be. Some, because there was cheese (laughs) throughout the movie, and like we've said before, cheesy movies can be absolutely fantastic. Yes. But, you know, you don't really want to follow up Gouda with Gorgonzola and Cheddar. Yeah, you, you and you of... have to go. You have to go intentionally full bore into the cheese. Yes, like you can't stick your toe over the line of cheese. No, you have to go for it because if you just try sticking your toe over the line, then people get the impression you're actually trying to do a serious or not a serious movie, but a better movie. And you've and, and that you've made mistakes yeah. rather than you were ha- aiming for cheese. Now, considering the set, her boudoir, and the enormous costuming, it's sort of and the colors of the costume because we talked before about the movie stills that we'd seen. The colors of the costumes were technicolor; they were yeah, like scalding your retinas almost color. That should have given you a clue right off the get go that this yeah. is not going to be a serious movie. Yeah. If you are going into this movie expecting eloquence, yeah. you are in the wrong place. Yeah, it should be pretty obvious from the trailer that it is it <clears throat> what kind of movie it is. And then, of course, the costuming makes more sense at the end, which I won't say, but it was until the spoilery bit. But but at least before that, it was just like, oh, okay, they're trying to be funny, and it's, yeah. it's going to be and it can't be, and it's going to be co- colorful and everything like that. But yeah, I'd like, I don't know. See, others, I thought there were certain parts that are very camp. Certain parts that are very meta, where they sort of winkingly jo- joke at aspects of the fairy tales themselves. Yeah, and fairy tale tropes. And then there's other bits that were trying to be creepy, but not too much, because there were bits that were trying to be, you know, more family. And like I was telling Maggie on the way home last night, I got the feeling that there was more than one writing team on this. There's one pair of writers that are credited, but it wouldn't surprise me if it turned out that actually they had sort of nudged the script over to a couple other writers too. Now with all of to work on it. The griping that you're probably going to hear, all of the whinging and moaning and whatnot. I will admit I actually kind of I liked it. Yeah. But when it comes to the cheesy movies, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty easy to please. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, I enjoyed it cuz I also knew going in like okay, this is probably going to be somewhat preposterous and you know, <laughs> 
there's probably going to be bits that are not the best written, and yes, there are some bits that are pretty clunky, but figured, okay, it'll be fun. I'm, you know, I've gone in saying, like, okay, I'm totally paying for my movie ticket, and I know I'm probably not going to regret it. And I, trust me, I have seen way worse movies at the movie theater, as I believe I have mentioned on this podcast. Yeah. So yeah, it was good. And it, like I said, you know, and it depends too what you're going to it for. Now, shall we segue into get more specific with the spoilery pits? Okay, spoiler siren going on right now. Spoiler! I will mark this time in the, the notes that come with the podcast itself, in the file. Okay. So like, you know when to skip ahead to when it is safe to come back. Well, as I said on Twitter... And Facebook last night. My favorite quote post-movie was, I was with it. And then Bollywood happened. Yeah. And that was me. I, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of wondering now what my face looked like at the end when the credits were rolling with the Bollywood movie. I looked at your face. And you were kind of like... Blink. What? Blink. At the end... The this segues straight from the end of the movie, really. Straight from the end of the movie, Snow White turns around and then starts moving her arms in very harem style and goes into a Bollywood number. Yes, in the a middle, Bollywood dance number. In the middle of the wedding. And she's doing the singing and I, I'm like, white boy prince does, does not know how to deal, does, does not know how to dance Bollywood. I don't care what, to begin with, he's sort of like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And all of us watching the screen are going, no, honey, we don't know what you're doing there either yeah it was just really weird too because like okay it was like a cast party that's yeah, it it was it was just bizarre because like there's no like singing or dancing numbers in the movie and like okay you're just watching the movie it's like okay funny movie and that's why i said you know with the color and everything like that it seemed like okay they're doing this because it's supposed to be can kind of campy so they're yeah. really they're really you know making everything super colorful and everything like that and then you hit Bollywood number, and then all of a sudden it just comes out of nowhere, really. I'm sorry, Sean Bean looks really out of place. Yes. For a Bollywood number. There was one review I read where someone said, you could practically see Sean Bean, like, checking his phone to make sure the money had transferred for the part during his four minutes of screen time. Yeah, I I sort of parallel Sean Bean's part, because he's the king that gets released from the evil spell right at the end of the movie. Yeah. And it's sort of like paralleling Sean Connery in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He comes in right at the end, makes an appearance when all of mayhem is done, and you know that he sacked away tons of money just for to He's show like, up. Yes, easiest paycheck ever. Just even sh- better, even easier than the movies where he dies five minutes in. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that was the main thing that was like, the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Mainly just because, and I mean, it does have an, an Indian director, which I, we saw later. But there was no other Indian influence in the rest of the movie. There was little bits. Like, suddenly when it happened, okay, then they show the castle, and I'm like, okay, yeah, there there is a slight Taj Mahal okay, thing onion, with the castle. The onion and I don't, see, I remember seeing the picture of that and being like, huh, onion domes. That's kind of interesting. Interesting choice. And then the costuming with the really bright colors and everything. Okay. Like, okay, that is very... But it's, it's something that you are totally not prepared for. No, no. And which your brain's sort of like, okay, yeah, they just went that direction for the for the costuming and everything like that until the very end. So yeah, yeah that was interesting. Yeah, th- there was much of a puppy dog sort of like just tilting their head to the side going... And I mean, I love Bollywood stuff, because it's just... It's entertaining. It's just so entertaining and happy. Like, come on. It's like these big singing, dancing numbers. Like, you gotta love it. It's just, it was just weird. Yeah, it was weird, and... and (laughs) Because there was nothing else in the movie. There was nothing in the movie to prepare you for that. I mean, other than the subtle things, which you could totally discount for, like, other stuff. And I'm sorry, I still think that after ten years of being a beast in the woods... When you're released from the spell, you are not straight from the launderers clean. Mm, yes. I'm sorry. That... Scruffy Sean Bean. Yes, Sean Bean, being the king, he's released from the spell. He should be haggard. He should be scarred. He should have a long, scraggly beard and be clothed in, like, just loincloth and rags. Oh, God. I'll be my bunk. Yes, character. Sean Bean, loincloth. I'll be in my bunk. That way it is believed that he's been this beast for ten years and then... When he gets cleaned up for his daughter's wedding the yeah, next like, day, he doesn't still have the same scruff on his face. Yeah, I know. He looks like he hadn't shaved. Yes. I'm like, what was that? He had like a it? five o'clock shadow. Not that I'm complaining about that, but... Even Aragorn cleaned up. Even Aragorn had a, had a shave, man. Okay. I had one friend that says, okay, well, in all the fairy tales, when the curse is released, 
everything goes back to, to the normal. way. Yeah, true. Go to the way it was. And I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't look right. He's got this nice little white, really The thing frilly lace thing looks really bad on Sean Bean, man. Yeah, it does not work with him. I honestly believe, okay, you, you wanted Sean Bean in there for a name to pull in. You could have brought in anybody else. Yeah, you could have put anybody You could have put part. anybody else in for that part, even somebody that looked just a teeny, tiny, itty, bitty, teeny, minuscule, more like Snow White, so that you yes, would believe... With darker with darker hair. hair. So that you would believe the father-daughter relationship. Yeah. Though, speaking of people that could have been played by a lot of other people. Really the queen? I mean, Julia Roberts is a good actress, and this is probably a personal thing, but she has just become one of those actors where I don't stop seeing Julia Roberts. I think this is my problem with Sean Bean in the movie. Yeah. He, he looks like Sean Bean, and he looks too out of place. Yeah. And I mean, the queen probably... I mean, she did good. She did a really good job as the queen. But you could have put anybody. Yeah, in. I wouldn't say maybe not anybody, but you could have had a number of other. I think you. You know, I don't think and that's not just her. That's the way the part is written. Because one of the things that you know was kind of like eh, about the queen is, like we said, it's sort of family oriented and stuff. Right. So she has really comedic parts to play. She gets to be a mean girl, and then there's the creepy parts. But the comedic parts or the mean girl verging on comedic bits kind of undermine the creepy. Yeah. So it's not like you don't need, you don't really need someone who can be really strong in the creepy. Or you don't need like, like Charlize Theron in the Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh boy. Damn. Or you don't need someone who can be really strong on the humor or somebody who can be really strong on that. So, I mean, it was, she was good, but like I said, the way the character was written, it was kind of, the creepiness was undermined. And Now, on the other hand, I think the actress for Snow White, Lily Collins. Yeah. I think she did really well. Yeah. I think she did good. I mean, varying opinions on her sort of meek quietness, even though like she does, she still manages to do like the, the really innocent, bashful sort of thing while she also gains the spine. Right. But I think there, I think she definitely, her look and the way she played it did bring something to that that maybe other, other actresses her age might not have been able to capture. The prince? I think Army Hammer is his name, who, apparently he's a thing. I kept seeing his name come up everywhere on like Tumblr. I'm like, oh, okay, who is this guy? But, um, I think he did a, I think he did a really good job with the part. I think he just sort of threw himself completely into it. Like, come on, the puppy dog. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That, I'm sorry. He that, just went balls out for it. That was the one of the funny bordering on, okay, you're really pushing it yeah. moments. That was one of the, okay. Mimicking a puppy, puppy love, his mind was mentally in puppy mode. Yeah. Pant, panting and sniffing and everything. Yeah, acting like a dog. <laughs> but he totally went for it. Yeah, he, he did, to his credit. But again, I thought the character, the, the way the character of the prince was written, again, was a little yeah, I think, uneven. I think the, the part could have used more development. Yeah, I think at parts, at times he's like, he's a jerk ass. Other times he's the romantic hero. He's a jerk ass. Again, I think like like I said, I think they that was a little uneven. Okay. And then there were just parts that were just plain completely clunky. Like some of the some of the, the dwarf stuff. The dwarves are there for comic relief, basically, which you kind of know going in. But some and some of that stuff with them was like the clunkiest bits. Like there's the one part where Snow White is all like, "Oh no, I have put you in danger. I am leaving you a note. This note so that I can tell you this stuff, and I will have left by the time you wake up." And they spend this time like with one of the dwarves like reading the note and I, I was already thinking at that point okay this is kind of clunky this is with this dude just reading it and it's like no segue to no dissolve to the snow like writing the note and then sort of leaving and you know one little look back and then leaving again and then they walk out the door to go after her and she's right there yeah she hasn't really left the front yard yet i'm like the point of that was Okay, some of the goofy moments that we sort of did a, a, what the fuck? Did they just put that in dialogue? Well, the bits, there were bits that got, like, actual, like, serious laughter. Like, the one I, main one I remember is the prince when Snow White's all like, I have to go fight her by myself because this is my problem. And she, like, locks them in the, in the dwarves thing. And he's all like, no, 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 the, the prince, the prince saves the day. It has been focus grouped. Yes. <laughs> That, that I'm like, oh. It was the focus group thing oh my that just God. cracked everybody up. It has been focus group. Don't argue with the statistics. <laughs> See, that was kind of brilliant and meta. And that was one of the genius moments. Yeah. There if were, the whole movie had been like that, it would have been an amazing movie. There were a couple of <laughs> nods to The Princess Bride where there was one where Snow White stumbles down to retrieve her sword. And the prince going after her does a Wesley flip, yeah. lands, and 
retrieves his sword. I can't remember what was the other... There was only a couple moments where we, like, actually, like, cracked up. I'm trying to remember what the other one was. There was one... There was the pinky swear. Oh, God, that was it. And actually, something... Another thing I really liked that I actually found out more about today, the animation at the beginning that sort of tells all the backstory of Snow White, you know. Right, right. I thought about it at the time, because it looked visually similar, and I found it today, it actually was. The animation was done by the same person who did the Tale of the Three Brothers in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Yeah. I can remember watching it and be like, this kind of looks like the Tale of the Three Brothers. Except instead of silhouettes, it looks more like porcelain dolls. Yeah. But I thought that was really nicely done. Very slightly creepy porcelain dolls. Yeah. But I suppose that's part of it. Though it's also kind of like, now that I think about it, I'd kind of like to see that bit again. See, like, how much does the king in that bit resemble Sean Bean? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Because really. it was like, we never see him as the yeah. king until the very end. And it's like, and it's just like, you see him with the crown and everything. Like, okay, I guess he's her dad. Must be. <laughs> and I knew that her father was going to crop up because they said specifically that he disappeared. disappeared. Like, okay, so he has to come up somehow. I think we mentioned a couple of podcasts ago when we were talking about the costumes. And I said, why would you have a beautifully, like, huge ornate dress like that with a, with a little itty bitty moon necklace that she has and that moon necklace becomes very important yeah. in the script. Personally, I don't think the necklace holds up to the rest of the it gets lost in the in the rest of the costuming. That yeah, you only worn. really notice it when they add the CGI sparkle to it. Oh yeah, that was another thing. There were a couple of smiles with a CGI sparkle added. Yes. Ding. Oh yes, the little the little twinkle off the off tooth. tooth. It's like yeah the hell? See, again, that was sort of the campy thing that, like, they seem to really play up at certain times and other times they were just going for general humor. But I think with the weird. with the necklace, they should have foregone the necklace and gone with something that was much more ornate and obvious, like a big ring yeah. or a headpiece or something like that. I mean, if they're, I mean, once you see the, once you see the necklace and you see the CGI sparkle, it's like, okay, this is obviously, this is a magical object. It obviously is going to have a big part in some part of the movie. You know that at that point. So, I mean, I could see keeping it subtle, so it's a surprise. But if you keep it subtle, then you keep it subtle. You don't add CGI, CGI woo, stuff. sparkle, yeah. and then, you know, do a close-up of the the necklace with the CGI sparkle. Yeah, that's kind of... I don't know. I mean, and there was other the other things that I liked about it in the way, especially with the, the meta sort of way that it played with some of the tropes. Like, Snow White has to be the one to kiss the prince yes. to release him from a spell. That's true. That was That's nice. true. And he is more often the, the damsel in distress who requires rescuing. Yes. And ends up shirtless. He ends up shirtless <laughs> at least twice. And he's the one, he whimpers like a puppy, squeals like a girl, and makes an absolute fool of himself. Oh, yeah. I mean, and of course, the main reason I was going into this and being sort of like, okay, I don't really care what the story is like in the end. Because I knew at the very least it was going to be visually spectacular. Yeah. And yeah. it was. And it was. It was. And the set is amazing. Ooh, and the other thing I liked was the mirror. Yes. And how the mirror was a reflection of herself. And it's not her perfect reflection. It is like a ghost. It is like a paler reflection. Yeah. Where everything about her is more ghosted. You know, not as in transparent, but as in pale and, you know, somewhat eerie. Yeah, and her other, that other self is very, is somewhat antagonistic. Yes, to it her is. Too. I, I'm trying to figure out what that other self is, because she says, I'm mm -hmm. I'm the reflection of you, only with less wrinkles. Yeah. Which is scandalous, obviously, but I'm trying to figure out what that reflection is. Yeah, what part of her psyche is that, that is. is that the the intelligent part that she, you know, plucks out of her brain and locks away? But the sensible part? <laughs> yeah. That is that part was probably like that setting especially with the puppets. Yeah. That's probably the creepiest that it gets. Yeah. But yeah, like I was saying earlier, it's like I said, it's kind of hard for me to give like a qualified uh, an unqualified. Yeah, this was good sort of thing. Just because like I said, it was it seemed and as we've as you've been hearing from us discussing this. You know, we mentioned specific instances that didn't work and specific instances that do work. So, like I said, it's very uneven. Like, there's some scenes that are, like, really good and some that are really not quite so good. I think it's the sort of thing where, like we said, if you're looking for something to take family to, like even somewhat smaller kids, or if you just want to see the visual spectacle of yeah. it, that's really, that should be the, the guidelines for if you want to go to actually the movies and see it. Yeah. As opposed to catching it later on DVD or something like that. So, spoiler, now be over. Yes, it is safe to come back. 
Welcome back. And we bring you more Geek Squee. And shorter Geek Squee. And then, of course, the other thing about going to the movies last night is we saw trailers. Yay! Including trailer for Brave. Got to see it big screen. And yes, there were stand-up cutouts in the lobby. And we did say that we, when we came out, I was going to do a pose next to the cutout for Brave. But they had roped it off. Yeah, they'd roped off most of the lobby by the time we came out. I was seriously tempted, though, to just pick up the Huntsman cutout and just walk off with it. <laughs> because they had Snow White and the Huntsman stand-up cutouts and the Avengers cutout, and I was just tempted to pick up either one that had Chris yeah. Hemsworth on it and just you walk know, out. If we, if we, while we were in line for popcorn, if you'd stop for a second, I had my fo- my picture, my... Yeah, my yeah, 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 yeah. I had my camera. I could have taken a picture of you with Chris Hemsworth in yeah, the Avengers. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyways, next time. <laughs> and I would have totally posted them on the blog. I know, I don't care. <laughs> but yeah, so we saw trailers for... I will care one day if I actually meet Chris Hemsworth and he, you know, he recognizes me as the crazy girl standing next oh, to him. Oh, you're the one with pictures. that picture where you're licking my cardboard cutout. Yes, yes, that would be me. Hi, how are you? Well, we saw trailers for a few things. One of the ones that I am looking forward to, because it just looks wacky, is the Pirates Band of Misfits. And that's the Pirates exclamation mark Band of Misfits. This looks like it's stop motion animation. Claymation looks like it's by it's by Ardman Studios, which is the same studio that did Wallace and Gromit, which I love. Yep. Creature Comforts, which I love. And Chicken Run. And, and so on. And they always have really wacky fun stuff, so I can't wait to see this. They've this been one, working on it for about a year, or over a year. Yeah. And this one, it involves a band of pirates where the lead pirate wants to win the Pirate of the Year award, and he's in competition with other a couple other pirates. And it also involves, like, Charles Darwin and Queen Victoria. Victoria. Yeah. Like, a badass Queen Victoria. And I was, so I went and looked at the cast list, partly because I thought I recognized one of the voices. And you were right. During the trailer. And this has got, like, a ton of, like, really great British actors in it. Hugh Grant plays right. the lead pirate. Yes. Selma Hayek plays one of the other, other captains. Yeah, one of the other pirates that he's competing with. There's, I know part of the crew is, like, Brian Gleason, Brian Blessed. Brian Gleason was Mad-Eye Moody. Okay, yep. Which also goes with Queen Victoria is voiced by Imelda Staunton. Who was... Dolores Umbridge. Umbridge, yes. And, of course, the voice that I recognized in the movie was one of the crew is voiced by Martin Freeman. He's a busy boy of late. <laughs> I wonder how he Well, gets... that was voice acting, so he could probably do it within a few days. Like, how does that boy sleep? And there's... Oh, and the other one I noticed in the cast list, David Tennant play, does the voice for Charles Darwin. Oh, fan self, fan self, fan self. Gonna... And there's like a, there was a bunch, oh, and that, what was the other one that from Sherlock that I saw? Oh yes, Russell Tovey does another part, and he played Henry in Hounds of Baskerville. Yes, I remember you were saying that, yes. It's like, oh my god, I recognize most of these names. So this this actually looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it just looks like goofy fun. Yeah. And wacky, and it, there's enough, like, what? In the trailer that, that <laughs> and this it looks coming like out I have to... April 27th, yeah. right? April 27th. So this is going to be out before the end of the month. Yeah, so that makes three movies I'm going to see this month. Woo! <laughs> yeah, so I can't wait for that one. And you saw... Well, I we saw have... Paranorman. Yeah, that one looks cute, too. Which is about this introvert kid. The reason he's an introvert is because he could see ghosts. And obviously, this takes a bit of a psychology twist, you know, for a kid. Yeah. Who's not able to turn this gift off. Yeah. So all of his family members, you know, think he's just weird. And part of the plot is that a witch's ghost is going to come back on a certain night. Yeah. Raise the dead. And it turns into a zombie movie. <laughs> this is also stop motion. Okay. And it's by the same people that made the Coraline movie. Yes, from yes, I remember that. Neil Gaiman's Coraline, which in itself is my limit of creepy. Coraline is my limit of creepy. That's how much of a wuss I am, because I like to sleep when the lights go out. But Paranorman, which is the name of this kid, Norman, yeah. looks like it is kind of slapstick funny in yeah. the in the zombie. There were lots of humorous moments in it. Yeah, in the, in the zombie way. And the one main one I remember is like there's a zombie like whose ear has fallen off or something, and he's reaching around for it. And Norman's behind a door, and the ear has sort of slid behind the door, and he just sort of pokes the ear yeah. underneath until like, the zombie finds it. Yeah, but yeah, so those two look like interesting movies too. Okay, so them's be trailers for things coming out. I didn't see when Norman Paranorman was coming out, but no, that should probably be soon too yeah. if it's 
if it's one of the trailers. Okay, moving into, from trailers into the world at large, how would you like to have your own tricorder? As in the flip oven, bleep, 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 type of things from classic Star Trek. Yes, please. <laughs> Somebody has built it. Not only has somebody built it, it's open source. You can build one for yourself. And make changes to it and improve it and, and do all kinds of things. you are encouraged to do such. This is at the tricorderproject.org. Yep. And the guy who did the building, he got a doctorate in... Yeah. McMaster University. Yep. He's a Canadian and he taught computers to learn language like babies do. And he's currently at the University of Arizona working on high-tech sensors. Yeah, he actually got his PhD in cognitive science. So, like, how the brain works. <laughs> but he used computers. But similar... I mean, remember, these are not the new tricorders. We're yeah. talking about classic flip open little boxes, and they can measure the environment, such things as ambient temperature, humidity, and magnetic fields, as well as take spatial readings for distance, location, and even motion. However, they will not identify aliens for you. And that's from the article on futureoftech.msnbc.com. MSN.com. And on the website that we gave earlier, this is all open source. You are encouraged to make your own, to adapt it, Tinker improve it. it, and then share it with everybody you want. And he was saying that he was hoping that it's something that maybe someday every kid will have access to so that they can keep close to it and they can use it when curiosity strikes and sort of help with getting but getting that, them more interested in science. Yeah, is that and not a like cool that? way to get kids into science? Is yes. To ha is to have them make their own tricorder. Yes, it's like, here's this little gadget, and you can do all sorts of kinds of things with it. And I could see, especially, you know, with recording things with motion and distance and stuff like that, I could see applications for that in, like, science and math classes. That is really cool. And then for moving from science fiction into fantasy... Yes. Um, I actually read something on io9 about a fantasy-themed B&B, or bed and breakfast, in Belgium. I'm going to attempt to pronounce the name. It is in French, so... And it's been... God knows how many years since I actually studied French, so here goes. My accent probably sucks. It's called La Ballade des Gnomes. But you can find their website at www.laballadedesgnomes.be. And there they have pictures of all the rooms, which have a bunch of different themes, like a cabin in the forest, neighborhood on the moon, Legend of the Trolls, and for someone who wants a little more space, there is an entire suite in a Trojan bull. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture of the Trojan bull now, and <laughs> It's yeah. basically a giant wooden bull. Yes, it is. And the curvature is made out of shingles, wooden shingles, that curve around and give the impression of a bull's girth. Yeah. And this is all very, this all very looks wooden, and you're thinking of the arch wooden doors. Yeah, and very elaborate, too. Like, they're very immersive in that theme. It's not just, like, you know, regular hotel room with a couple little accents. No, these people went all out. There's the, oh, the stars in the desert one, too, where they have... That one in the moon one, they have, like, tiny little lights in the ceiling, so it looks like stars. stars. And they have elaborate textures on the walls to look like, you know, moon rock, or... they have a, There's an African-themed one. It looks like they've done, like, a stucco or mud effect on the sides that give it a rich ochre tone. And there's lots of thatching along the ceiling, and, as you can imagine, African masks and such. So they're... I like the cabin in the woods! They're doing the whole texture thing... <laughs> all up. And really, you just have to go to the pictures to see that, because they've, like I said, they've just so elaborately decorated each room. It's fantastic to see all the little touches that they've given it. Look at the cutwork on the chair. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the last thing for Geeksquee is, this is April Fool's Day. Yes. Yes, it is. And if there's one place I have to check every April Fool's Day, it's Google. Now, I noticed this yesterday when I was looking up something for a patron on Google Maps, and I wasn't sure what the heck was going on with it. But for the moment, at least, Google Maps has a quest mode. If you look up a location on Google Maps, you know there's a, a spot where you can select between, like, satellite or roadmap sort of image. They also have one called Quest. Yep. And basically, it t renders the map that you're looking at into, like, an 
8-bit fantasy map style. Like video game. Like we're talking one of the original Link yes. sort of it, things. Yes. They actually said, I think it was a game called Dragon Quest. I okay. I think that they said that the, someone figured out they took the images from. And of course, so every public park near you will just be like a little grove of tree, little 8-bit trees. Yep. And, you know, all the roads, the major roads at least, are look sort of like paths or dirt, you know, roads. And I think even the little person at the marker looks like a little Link-esque we, uh, figure. Sh- we went and checked out Area 51 and they had a flying saucer that was taking a cow. Yep. And this is actually, today they released, Google released a video. This is supposedly a preview of Google Maps for the NES, as in the original Nintendo gaming system. It includes a handy instruction video that reminds you to blow on the cartridge before you stick it in to clear off any dust. And you can plug, supposedly you can plug a data link into the cartridge so that you can get GPS coordinates from it. Nicely done. (laughs) You guys have to check it out. Obviously by the time you hear this it will no longer be April Fool's Day, but I'm sure you can find the video on Google. Probably, yes. By putting in like Google Maps NES or Google Maps April Fool's Day. Yeah. And continuing with April Fool's Day into Cravings, Covers, and Crushes, I believe you found a pattern on Ravelry. I did. I did. I did. I did. Which so many people are crushing on. Oh. 250 projects already. Okay, everybody. This is The Emperor's New Myths by Louise Zasbangham. And this is a free Ravelry download. Quite generous of her, considering <laughs> how elaborate they are. I, I entirely agree with you. Now, we will warn you that this does require a little bit of knowledge, knitting knowledge, uh, chart reading, there's bobbles, there's lace, slip stitch, short rows. Intarsia, beads. Yep, twisted stitches. Embroidery, entrelac. And the yarn might be a little hard to get a hold of. Rumple, still skin, 100% pure spun gold. Unicorn, 100% gold rainbow yarn. And Jason's golden fun fur eyelash yarn. Yes, if you have not guessed it, this is an April Fool's pattern. <laughs> yes, well, especially considering I don't know who can get the gauge of 99.99 stitches and 99.99 rows for four inches. This pattern that everybody's been posting pictures of, obviously, their naked hands with these. <laughs> yes, basically, on. you'll see there's tons of pictures, official pictures with the pattern. And of course, it's all just someone's hands. But as it says in the description, these truly exclusive. Exquisite mitts made from the finest gold yarn are only visible to the most capable of knitters. Yeah. Despite their utter complexity, you may find that they make an ideal last-minute gift to knit for a loved one who is allergic to hand knits. I'd love to do that. You know, just have an empty box and they'll open it up and, what the heck is this? Well, can't you see it? I spent a lot of time on those. Yeah, apparently the pattern was developed in response to a challenge laid down by the Fingerless Gloves Fanatics April 2012 knit alone. And as we said, oh, now there's 265 projects. It's pretty damn popular. And one of the things I love is that so many of the projects have like these descriptions that go with it. Yeah. Especially like the one that has the needles. Yeah. It's obviously still in, pro- it's still in progress. Still in progress. Yep. So you'll, you'll want to check this one out and just so you can see the comments for the podcast. Including, I love the fun fur, but too many baubles for my taste. Yeah. Certainly a must-have for the 1st of April, especially in that yarn. I can never find that rascal rumply when I need him. Sigh. But yes, you'll definitely have to go check that out just so you can see all the comments and people's descriptions in their finished projects. And then, of course, the other place that every geek has to check out on April Fool's Day is thinkgeek.com. Because nobody has the coolest toys like thinkgeek.com. And I mean, we won't mention everything that they have there, though I thought the Star Wars Admiral Akbar singing bass had the best in-use photo. Yeah, on the (laughs) wall of what looks like Darth Vader's rec room. Yeah, wood, fake wood-paneled rec room while he sits with a beer on his knee and watches TV. But one of the fun things about it is there is the case of the Wampa sleeping bag, which was an April Fool's Day thing like a few years ago. It was a joke, And yeah. so many people wanted it, they actually made it. Yes. So just looking at the, the thing here, the thing that I personally could see so many people asking for that they actually make it is the Star Trek inflatable captain's chair. Wouldn't that not be... Oh, man, can you imagine if they made a pool version? Yeah. I can, actually. I could. <laughs> I can see someone sitting in it in the pool and floating along with a drink in their hand, telling people to make it so. Yeah. Hey, Chuck, do you want another hot dog? Make it so. <laughs> I think that one was my favorite. Mainly because, like I said, that's the one that seemed most likely to actually have a lot of people want to have a following. It. Yeah, and to actually possibly make it. They have Game of Thrones perfume. Mm-hmm. Which they could totally do. They just wouldn't have the same ingredients. Yeah. All sorts of stuff for the iPad. 
Yeah, like there's the electronic hungry hippos, where you basically put your iPad in a base, and it has the hungry hippos, which you physically whack on the outside. Yeah. While the game, the balls appear on the iPad screen. Or these, the current K-Cup five-star meals. There's one for donuts, corn dogs, tacos. Yeah, I don't know how I would feel about that, really. I don't know quite how you'd work that out. Not unless they have, like, it's a ramen flavored yeah. by taco seasoning or something like that. I'm not sure if there's a certain place they put the April Fool stuff, like a page they display it on after April Fool's Day, but I'm sure if you search Google for Think Geek April Fool's 2012, some blog will have posted yeah. pictures something of all the stuff. Something will have it somewhere. Yeah. And the last thing I wanted to present for Cravings, Covets, and Crushes is not April Fool's oriented. This actually does exist, and it is a pattern that I found that I've looked at noticed. I kind of like that. And I thought it would, would present it and probably make it because this is a three-quarter sleeve-length cardigan that I could see wearing spring into summer and early autumn. Mm -hmm. Just as a layering function and also as going inside in summer where it's air-conditioned, etc., etc. But this is Vodka Lemonade by Thea Coleman. It's been published in Baby Cocktails, and it comes. It requires a DK weight yarn, and it is available for $6.50. I really like it because instead of just being a plain cardigan, it does have a little bit of what looks like a seed stitch border. Mm-hmm. A very slight shawl collar, not oversized, but a slight shawl yeah. collar. The raglan seams look like they're emphasized instead of hidden. Yeah, there's an eyelets. actual eyelet pattern in yeah, the raglan. With scene. eyelets. And there's a small detail work at the small of the back and what looks like at the front two panels right at the bottom. Yeah, bottom corner of the front two panels. It's it's like a little lacy pattern and yeah. the rest of it is in stock in it. It, it looks nice. It's just enough interest to keep going. And it's not a super large knit. Like I said, it's a three-quarter length cardigan. It doesn't even have buttonholes or anything like that. Yeah, it looks like it... And it only comes down to what looks like your natural waist. Yeah. I think it looks really cute. Yeah, that's a really cute one. So that is Vodka Lemonade by Thea Coleman. Anyways, so, there we go. I could see that in a nice tannis or something in tannis a, is exactly what i was thinking yeah of. a slightly you know semi-solid or sort of very light variegated now and she does have a dk she does have a dk and i was wandering back and forth between the cobalt the sea breeze the poppy and the buttercup no i can't make color decisions right. but i'm probably gonna have to do again is just stand there and hold up yarns next to my face going okay somebody help me pick a color <laughs> michelle michelle help. you're going to this right okay so, anyways. All right, everybody. So, if you're listening to this, you've obviously survived April, April Fool's, Day. Fool's Day. There are a lot of comments on my Facebook that I'm just not going to respond to until tomorrow. Yes. To see whether or not they're real. Yeah. I don't know if that's mean or not, but I'm just, that's the way I roll right April now. April Fool's Day, you never can be sure. No. I'm just glad no one tried to prank me at work. Yeah, that would not have been a good thing. It would not have been pretty for them. Okay, everybody. We will see you next week. Yep. Have a good week, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar, you can visit us at knit1geek2.emptypockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1 G-E-E-K 2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. You can also comment at our Ravelry group. Just search the Ravelry groups for Knit One Geek 2. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com slash knit1geek2. Have a good week, everybody.